excited about this. Um, I think it's a wonderful, wonderful idea. And so I think I have a little bit of a different question that's not um, about um, the actual tech. Um, I, I'm very curious about the co-living situation and how that has been going. And do you think that this model um, will, um, that the result will be, a, a, you know, a greater result in terms of creativity and how people are collaborating together? I'm just very curious about, you know, that, that type of model that you all have set up. And so far, what, what are you finding? Like, what are some of the pros? What are some of the cons? I mean, are we going to get a reality show, like, you know, going forward one time, you know, in the future? I mean, so what is that environment like? like I'm very curious. Yeah, so just to your uh, question on co-living, so it's been, I think it's a really awesome experience, and what we've heard from the court has been incredibly impactful, um, especially coming off of the back of COVID-19, you know, this period where everyone was quarantined, and so it's really um, leaning into this idea that there's power in collaboration, there's power in community, and that when you're building isolation, it's much, um, much harder to navigate this process on your own, and when you come in community, you get to leverage the idea, you get to leverage the, leverage the experience of that on everyone else in the house. Yeah, right amazing. then. Gentlemen, uh, if people want to get more information, how do they reach you? Yeah, so you can reach us online at our house, so our house, the letter our house dot uh, NYC. Uh, follow us on Twitter at our house NYC and on Instagram at our house dot NYC. And so there you can stay tuned with updated information about events we have coming up, the upcoming applications in October for the cohort in Bed-Stuy, and then we're also doing a cohort in November uh, four-week residency around Afrotech in Austin, Texas. And so information on that will also be on the website, Instagram, and Twitter. All right, then. Rusty and Riverfields, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. All right, thank you so much. Folks, quick break. We come back. NFL player in the choir. Performing in America's Got Talent. We'll talk to one of the next. I'm going to go to the today.
intuitive understanding what binary number I'm looking at. So let's look at a few patterns in this video. We'll start with odd numbers. The decimal number 3 is odd, and in binary it's 0, 0, 1, 1. Then there's decimal 5, that's odd, and in binary that's 0, 1, 0, 1, then 7, and in binary that's 0, 1, 1, 1. Finally, 9 in binary is 1, 0, 0, 1. So do you notice the pattern in these binary numbers here? I'll give you a hint if you're not seeing it. All of these binary numbers end in a 1. And in fact, the only way to make an odd number in the binary number system if it ends in a 1. That's because the 1 is the 1's place, and every other place is a power of 2. An odd number is a number that if you divide by 2, gives a remainder of 1. So that means that we always have to have a 1 in that 1's place to make an odd number. Now we should be able to look at any binary number and say if it's odd or even. Let's try that out for some very large which one of these is odd? Well, let's just look at the ones place and see. Zero, zero, one, zero. Okay, this one is the odd one out. These other ones, they're all even. So even though I have no clue what these numbers are, I do know that this is the odd number. So now we have a little more of an intuitive understanding of binary numbers. But let's keep exploring and see what else there is. Another interesting pattern is when a binary number is all ones. So we could have one, we could have one, one, we could have one, 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 we could have one, 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 one. Lots of ones. So in decimal, this is the same as one for this first value, three, is 1, 1, 7 is 1, 1, 1, and 15 is 1, 1, 1, 1. So what is special about these decimal numbers here, 1, 3, 7, and 15? It's probably not obvious at first, but each of these are actually a power of 2 minus 1. So this one is the same as 2 minus 1, 3 is the same as 4 minus 1, 7 is the same as 8 minus 1, and 15 is the same as 16 minus 1. We can also write these in terms of their powers of 2. So this is 2 to the 1 minus 1, 2 to the 2 minus 1, 2 to the 3 minus 1, and 2 to the 4 minus 1. So whenever a binary number has 1 in all of its places, then it will always equal the largest number that can be represented by that number of bits. This is a lot like in the decimal system where there's 9, 999, 9999, and 9999. If we add 1, we go over, and this is the largest value that can be expressed in that number of digits. That's what we're looking at here. We could also write the number of bits that we're dealing with here. So number of bits, this is 1 bit, this is 2 bits, this is 3 bits, and this is 4 bits. 
So we can see that for four bits, the highest number that can be represented is two to the fourth minus one. For three, it's two to the three minus one, etc. So that means if we know the number of bits that we have, we know the highest value that can be represented, and we know that that high value will be a one in every place. So we can use that information to help us have a better understanding of binary numbers. So consider this binary number, 1111. What does this equal in decimal? Well, it's got one, two, three, four, five bits. So that means this must be two to the fifth minus one. Two to the fifth is the same as two times two times two times two times two, which is the same as 32. And then if we minus one, we get that this is 31. So without having to add these up, we find out what this is. Now we could have done it the old way too. So let's see what this is. The one place, two place, four place, eight place, 16 place. And we could say 16 plus eight is 24, plus four is 28, plus two is 30, plus one is 31. So either way we do it, we get the same value. This just gives us another way of understanding binary numbers and having a, a better intuition for them.
Hey there, no need to adjust your TV, or more likely your phone. You're watching a recycled commercial. See, at Mint Mobile, we're always looking for innovative ways to save our money so we can save you money. Hello? Message. write the values of each of these places. So this first bit, this is the ones place for two to the zero. The second bit is the twos place to the one. The second, the third bit is the fours place, two squared. And then we have eights place, sixteens place. You see we just double. Thirty twos place, sixty fours place, and one twenty eights place. Okay. Now that we have these places, I start on the left side and I look at the place and I say, is this value greater than this value? 128 is greater than that value, so we're going to put a zero here because we do not need to represent the value 128 inside this tiny little number. 64 is also greater than 6, 32 also greater than 6. 16 is also greater, 8 is also greater, so we've got a whole lot of zeros so far. 4 is not greater than 6, so we're finally going to put a 1. And then what we're going to do is subtract 4 from 6. So 6 minus 4 equals 2. So that's the remaining value that we still need to represent. We go to the next one. This is the twos place. Two is not greater than two. It's actually exactly equal to two. So we're going to put a one as well. And now subtract again two minus two equals zero. Fix that. Two minus two is zero. There's nothing left to represent. We have entirely represented the value six already. So that means we can put a zero in this remaining place. So now we can say this is how to represent six in binary. The full byte would look like this, or we might shorten it to just four bits, or we might even shorten it to just three, but we typically do like to present bits in groupings of four or eight. Now let's try a bigger number. So let's phrase all this work here. I want to keep my my place values around because those are handy and they're going to be the same. Just erase everything else. Okay, good enough. Alright, so let's try the value 25. Okay, 25 decimal. How do we convert that to binary? So once again, we start over here. Is 128 greater than 25? Yes, it is. Put a zero. 64 is greater. Put a zero. 32 also greater, put a zero. 16 is not greater than 25, so 16 is contained within 25. We'll put a one, and then do a little math to figure out what we still need to represent. So 25 minus 16 equals 
four, five, that's nine. All right, so we still need to represent the value nine in these remaining bits, okay? The next place value is the eights place. Eight is not greater than nine, so that means we are going to need to use the eights place. Put a one in there. So now we have nine minus eight equals one. All right, there's only one more you know, thing that we have to represent. So we've already represented 24. Right here, we're looking at having represented 24. If we filled the rest with zeros right now, we'd have the number 24, but we're looking for 25. So we keep going. Is four uh, greater than one? Yes, so we'll put a zero. Two is greater than one, we'll put a zero. One is equal to one, so we will put a one here. So here we have the decimal number 25 in binary. So this required one, two, three, four, five bits. So we would probably represent it in a byte like this. So this is the basic strategy that I use for converting numbers from decimal to binary. And this will work for numbers up to 255 using these eight bits here. Beyond that, you're going to need more bits. And honestly, at that point, you might want to just use a calculator or write a program to do it.
of hope. A poem to find hope in the midst of despair is a sacred thing born of wings we cannot remember we once had not knowing we will have them again to wrench joy from the jaws of unthinking degradation is a triumph beyond compare to find solace in the swirling abyss of sorrow is as courageous an act as we might perform to seek beauty in a massive pile of scattered dreams is cradling a tender innocence that cannot die. To find sanctuary within a crevice of noise is a display of unconscious heroism. To create within the rubble of destruction is elaborating upon the tenets of bravery. To have faith when the sky is crashing around you is to demonstrate the strengths of being more than merely human. To rise again from the grief that befell you is to succeed in gathering wisdom. To gather wisdom from such agony is a sacred thing born of wings.
Anywhere I'll run, stand to the right. Anywhere the love 
see ordering drastic changes and her stunning acknowledgement of mistakes in the COVID response. CDC Chief Dr. Rochelle Walensky announcing a major shakeup, saying the agency's COVID response did not meet expectations. It comes amid the rising threat of monkeypox and now growing concerns about a polio resurgence. Is the CDC prepared? And when will the U.S. roll out Omicron-specific boosters? Dr. Shaw is here answering your questions. Also tonight, former Vice President Mike Pence saying he'd consider testifying before the January 6th committee and his message to fellow Republicans attacking the FBI over the search at Mar-a-Lago. It comes as Rudy Giuliani appears in court. What we're learning about his six-hour testimony before a special grand jury investigating alleged election meddling by Donald Trump in Georgia. Congresswoman Liz Cheney, Mr. Trump's most vocal GOP critic, losing her primary in a landslide. What's next for her, and could it involve a run for the White House? The deadly spree in Arkansas, 17 shootings over 30 hours. Are they connected? The countdown to liftoff or NASA's return to the moon. This is NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt. Good evening. Over 93 million COVID cases in. Today came a stunning admission from the head of the CDC. In our big moment, our performance did not reliably meet expectations. With her agency still confronting not just the pandemic, but evolving threats, including monkeypox and a troubling reappearance of polio, CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky acknowledging the CDC's poor messaging and at times confusing guidance. All this as she kicks off a sweeping overhaul of the agency, including a bid to arm it with new powers. The reckoning coming on the heels of an internal review of the CDC. The immediate challenges couldn't be any more urgent as demand grows for more monkeypox vaccine doses, as well as experts monitoring the awakening of a dangerous disease long thought to have been defeated. I get reaction from the White House COVID response coordinator in just a moment. But first, our report from Gabe Gutierrez. Tonight, the CDC director is calling for drastic changes within the agency to better deal with public health emergencies. Dr. Rochelle Walensky now says, in our big moment, our performance did not reliably meet expectations. How significant is that acknowledgement? It's monumental. This speaks to not just the intent to acknowledge it, but the action that must follow and the accountability. The agency had been slammed as slow to respond during COVID, also facing backlash after issuing guidance that seemed confusing. The sweeping reorganization includes a new executive council, a new equity office, and a more streamlined website. Walensky also plans to ask Congress to grant the CDC new powers, including mandating that local jurisdictions share their data. The course correction comes as federal health officials face criticism over the monkeypox vaccine rollout. The administration invested more than a billion dollars developing it, but has just over a million shots on hand. There are also new concerns about polio, just the second instance of U.S. community spread in 43 years. Last week, health officials announced that polio had been detected in New York City wastewater. Make sure that your children are protected because this is a very, very serious disease. Today, a polio vaccine clinic opened in Rockland County, New York, an area where the vaccination rate is as low as 37%. I may have gotten it as a child, but I wasn't sure about my records, and my so that's why I came to do it. If you aren't sure about your immunization records, 32 states allow you to request them online, others by mail. If you have them, you should search for the letters IPV, 
which stand for inactivated polio vaccine. If you're not sure you were fully vaccinated as a child and you can't find those records, then you should get a polio vaccine now. Even if you did get them as a child, getting another one now will be safe. It's very effective and it can protect you from polio. And Gabe, joining me here in the studio, what if you did get the polio vaccine when you are a kid and you want another one now just to be sure? Well, polio boosters are not recommended, Lester. If you got that initial vaccine as a kid, doctors believe that the immunity lasts a lifetime. And according to the CDC, about 93% of children in the U.S. are vaccinated against polio by the age of two. All right, Gabe, thanks very much. And beyond the upheaval at the CDC, we're getting a better sense of what the future may hold for combating COVID with plans for a new booster to be offered soon. For more, I'm joined by Dr. Ashish Jha, the White House COVID response coordinator. Good to have you here. Doctor, before we talk about the updated vaccines, let me ask you about this admission by the head of the CDC that the agency missed the mark in its COVID response, especially when it came to communications. But is it just the CDC, in your opinion, as a whole of government failed on some levels here? Yeah, so let's, let's remind ourselves that Dr. Walensky, the director of the CDC, asked for this review of, of the CDC. I think that review was uh, very uh, well done. Uh, it laid out areas where the CDC needs to improve. And the bottom line is that she's committed to making those changes, and I think that's really important. To your broader question, yeah, you know, our government agencies um, weren't designed to manage a once-in-a-century crisis like this. And I think while many of them performed admirably, there is no question in my mind uh, that, that these agencies agencies could have done better. All right, if I can, let me turn to the vaccines now. We've been told that a dual strain version, if you will, covering older variants as well as Omicron may be ready in just a few weeks. Who will be the first in line? Is this essentially going to be a third booster? Yeah, it's a, you know, Lester, here's why uh, the FDA has pushed us to uh, build these vaccines. The, the bottom line is that this uh, virus has evolved substantially since the first vaccines were built. This is why we've seen waning immunity. The vaccines that are coming in a few short weeks are specifically designed for the virus that's out there. And I believe it's going to be available and, and every American uh, over the age of 12 will be eligible. Will this mark the time to retire what we now think of as fully vaccinated, those initial two doses. Two shots is not enough. Uh, people need at least three. Uh, I think three provides that very high level of protection. And then just like the flu vaccine where people need to get updated once a year, uh, we probably need to continue to get updated with COVID vaccines on an ongoing basis. All right, Dr. Ashish Jha, thank you for coming on with us tonight. Thank you, Lester. This evening, a surprising twist as former Vice President Mike Pence said he would consider testifying before the January 6th committee. And this, as another member of former President Trump's inner circle, was grilled by a grand jury. Kristen Welker has the latest. Tonight, former Vice President Mike Pence hinting he may be open to testifying before the January 6th committee. Well, I would, if there was an invitation to participate, I would consider it. Pence, whose top aides have already testified, also seemed to endorse the committee's work. The American people have a right to know what happened that day. And in the months and years ahead, I'll be telling my story even more frequently. Pence broke with Mr. Trump after January 6th when rioters called for him to be hanged. Today, he tried to walk a fine line on the Mar-a-Lago search, which has enraged many Republicans, urging the attorney general to release more information, but also calling for a halt on the attacks against law enforcement. And Mr. Pence seemed to tease a possible run for the White House while at a favorite spot for potential candidates. I've, I've never spent a lot of time in New Hampshire, but I may someday. A defiant 
eye at former President Trump lashing out at the January 6th committee today, saying in the wake of Vice Chair Congresswoman Liz Cheney's defeat overnight, I assume the January 6th committee of political hacks and thugs will quickly begin the beautiful process of dissolution. It all comes as the investigations swirling around the former president are intensifying. Today, Mr. Trump's former attorney, Rudy Giuliani, testified before a grand jury in Atlanta for six hours. It's where he led the president's efforts to overturn the state's 2020 election results. It is clear that the count you have right now is false. Giuliani was told he's the target of the probe. His attorney saying he would invoke attorney-client privilege if asked about conversations with his former boss. Kristen joining me now. Kristen, tomorrow's shaping up to be a big day into these investigations surrounding the former president. Lester, that right, that's right, it really is. The Florida judge who approved the Mar-a-Lago search warrant will hear arguments over unsealing the affidavit. Mr. Trump wants it released, and so do news outlets, including NBC News, but DOJ says it would be harmful. Meanwhile, Alan Weisselberg, the Trump Organization CFO, is expected to plead guilty to state tax crimes and testify against the Trump Corporation, but not against Mr. Trump. Lester. Okay, Kristen Welker, thank you. philosophy in the fine art again and is hinting she might run for president herself. Von Hilliard is in Wyoming for us. In a Republican Party battle that could define our times. This is not a game. Every one of us must be committed to the eternal defense of this miraculous experiment called America. Liz Cheney, the Wyoming Congresswoman and Donald Trump's chief Republican antagonist, losing overwhelmingly to Harriet Hageman who calls the 2020 election rigged and was backed by the former president. His clear and unwavering support from the very beginning propelled us to victory tonight. Trump in a social media post saying Cheney can now, quote, finally disappear into the depths of political oblivion. But in an exclusive interview with Savannah Guthrie. I don't see it as death this morning. Cheney saying she isn't going anywhere and will do whatever it takes to keep Trump from winning the presidency again. I think that defeating him is going to require uh, a broad and united front of Republicans, Democrats, and independents, uh, and that's uh, what I intend to be uh, to be part of. Are you considering running for president yourself? It is something that I, uh, I'm thinking about, and I'll make a decision uh, in the coming months. I think that's about the worst idea I've heard in a long time. She runs for president. I mean, she's been a great example of integrity and a great patriot. Now at least eight of the 10 Republican U.S. House members who voted to impeach Trump last year will not return to Congress next term. A visitor from the future might look back on 2022 and say that this is the year the Republicans became a personality cult. Cheney last night with her father watching from the audience suggesting this is a new GOP. I believe deeply in the principles and the ideals on which my party was founded, but I love my country more. Now overnight, Cheney launched a political action committee to aid those future efforts. At the same time, she told Savannah in that interview earlier today that it could take a couple election cycles to change the minds and change the direction of the GOP. 
Lester? Von Hilliard in Wyoming, thank you. Authorities in Arkansas are investigating a wave of shootings over the weekend, three of them fatal. The question is, are they related? Shaquille Brewster is in Little Rock looking into this forest. Shaq, what do we know? Lesser tonight, multiple law enforcement agencies here in Arkansas are investigating a potential connection between 17 different shootings. Three people were killed, at least four other wounded here in the Little Rock area between Saturday afternoon and Sunday evening. Investigators saying at least seven shootings involved a man firing from a gray Mercedes. State police used surveillance video to identify what they believe is that vehicle and arrested 31-year-old Davis Jones. His charges include two counts of terrorist acts and one count of capital murder but they say the investigation is still going ongoing and more charges are possible tonight the interim police chief telling me that it is very possible that all these shootings are related but saying one or more may not be connected lester all right Shaq, thank you for that update in mexico a desperate rescue mission is underway tonight as authorities try to save 10 workers trapped in a collapsed and flooded coal mine steve patterson with more on that tonight Tonight, the rush to rescue 10 workers trapped hundreds of feet underground in a northern Mexico mine, growing dire as the effort stretches into a second week. Frustration and anger mounting for anxious families clinging to any shred of hope they'll get to see their loved ones again. My son is still trapped down there, she says. Officials say a tunnel wall collapsed on August 3rd, triggering an explosion of rushing floodwaters from an adjacent shaft, trapping the miners ages 22 to 61, about 200 feet underground. You can see the depth as crews rappel down. The effort hampered by surging water and debris gushing into the mine. Authorities say they need the level to drop for responders to gain access, but water from a nearby mine keeps flooding in. Now, the Mexican foreign ministry calling on both U.S. and German companies for assistance, but family members say it's been far too slow. I feel they are alive, but as more time goes by, what will happen to them? Among the missing, Jose Rogelio Moreno Morales and his son. The family begging officials to let them search themselves. I want to hug him, and I ask God for him as my gift, this little girl said about her uncle. But now, exactly two weeks without any sign of life, hope that was once for a speedy rescue is now for a miracle. Steve Patterson, NBC News. The Syrian government today denied holding journalists Austin Tice or other Americans. In response, the State Department said the U.S. still believes Syria has the power to release Tice who was detained in Syria 10 years ago. His parents recently told me they want the U.S. to push Syria harder. In 60 seconds, the changing landscape in real estate as more Americans cancel deals for new homes. Is the market now shifting in favor of buyers? What you need to know. Hi, Julian Gordon with this mortgage. buyers canceling contracts on new and existing homes. Miguel Almaguer on why so many deals are now falling through. Tonight in a housing market perhaps as volatile as the economy, new signs of trouble. Buyers backing out. 
A survey citing rising costs and falling confidence in the market has triggered home builder cancellation rates to more than double since April. It comes as 16% of new contracts were canceled on existing homes in July. Probably every other day, I would say, do we actually need to go back to the drawing board? And Taylor Briggs and Lauren right Sparks now. nearly backed out of their contract as mortgage rates climbed from under 3% to over 5% during the time it took to build their home. I think we expected the interest rates to go up because they were historically low, but they went up so quickly that it was very quickly adding like hundreds of dollars a month to our monthly payment estimate. Experts say most prospective buyers are changing their minds for two reasons. After months of waiting, mortgage rates have reached staggering new highs. And others are worried about inflation and overvalued homes. With Texas and the Southwest seeing the most significant builder cancellations, swaths of the Northwest and pockets of California are also seeing buyers walk. So we have a wraparound deck. Custom builder Rob Diaz has sold several homes before construction is complete, but sees trouble on the horizon in markets flooded by planned communities. If you're a buyer and you walk into a home that's priced at 1995 and something else comes on the market for 1895, you're going to the cheaper one. Tonight, real estate's new reality, where sellers have the deed, but no deal. Miguel Almaguer, NBC News. We've got a lot more to tell you about up next. NASA's giant new rocket rolled out for launch, plus our exclusive look inside the training program for future moonwalks. NASA is once again aiming for the moon. The new Artemis One rocket rolling out to the launch pad in Florida. The maiden voyage will be uncrewed, but as Tom Costello reports, astronauts are already training to walk the lunar surface for the first time in 50 years. After a slow overnight crawl, Artemis is now on the launch pad, the most powerful rocket ever, ready for a new chapter in human exploration. It's a future where NASA will land the first woman and the first person of color on the moon. But first, this critical uncrewed test flight set for August 29th. Artemis will carry the Orion crew capsule, speeding to a 42-day mission orbiting the moon. If the flight goes well, humans could orbit the moon within two years. Then a moon landing in 25 or 2026, and orbiting lunar space station and moon base before going on to Mars. I can bounce gently in this spacesuit and, uh, and not... Uh, very unlike what I can do on Earth. At NASA's training pool in Houston, engineers and astronauts are already testing new spacesuit designs for future moonwalks. Astronauts have been training in this pool since 1996, but now they've had to divide it up. Half the pool is dedicated to space station spacewalks. A quarter of it now is dedicated to replicating the moon and the darkness of space. That means dropping thick black curtains to block the light. And they've covered the bottom with sand and rock to recreate the conditions on the moon. This is very similar to what the Apollo astronauts did in preparation for their missions to the moon. Lisa Shore is the deputy chief of the pool lab. Are you taking those lessons from 50 years ago and applying it to the pool here? We are, we are absolutely doing that. Every time somebody gets in that spacesuit and like on the bottom of the pool, you know, climbing ladders, we learn something new, where the suit works, where it doesn't, where communication works, where it doesn't. Even practice planting the American flag. New technology and a new space race, as China promises that soon its own astronauts will also be on the moon.
Tom Costello, NBC News, Houston. That's nightly news for this Wednesday. Thanks for watching. I'm Lester Holt. Please take care of yourself and each other. Good night.